Time magazine called him the unsung hero behind the internet. CNN called him a father of the internet. President Bill Clinton called him one of the great minds of the information age. He has been voted history's greatest scientist of African descent. He is Philip Emigwali. He's coming to Trinidad and Tobago to launch the 2008 Kwame Ture Lecture Series on Sunday, June 8th at the JFK Auditorium, Uwe St. Augustine, 5 p.m. The Emancipation Support Committee invites you to come and hear this inspirational mind address the theme, Crossing New Frontiers to Conquer Today's Challenges. This lecture is one you cannot afford to miss. Admission is free, so be there on Sunday, June 8th, 5 p.m. at the JFK Auditorium, Uwe St. Augustine. very much. Parallel processing or doing many things at once or in parallel instead of doing only one thing at a time is what makes nearly every computer faster and makes every supercomputer fastest. Before 1989, Parallel processing was an uncharted territory. Before 1989, programming across an internet that is a global network of 64 binary thousand central processing units and programming those processors in parallel was as impossible as trying to fly an airplane and fly it before the first flight. At the turn of the 20th century, skeptics and spectators were asking the first pilots, why do you want to fly? As a parallel processing researcher of the 1970s, my most frequently asked question was, why do you want to compute in parallel? The June 14, 1976 issue of the Computer World magazine published an article titled, quote, Research in Parallel Processing Questioned as Waste of Time, unquote. In 1980, I was dismissed from my research team on computational hydrodynamics and I was forced to pursue parallel processing research and to do so as a lone wolf researcher. Then in 1989, the news headlines in supercomputing was that an African supercomputer wizard in the United States had experimentally discovered that parallel processing can reduce 180 years of time to solution of the toughest problem in computational physics and reduce it to only one day 
of time to solution. I am that African supercomputer scientist that was in the news in 1989. The news headlines of 1989 bestowed legitimacy on the parallel processing supercomputer that is now the modern supercomputer. And the parallel supercomputer that was once the stone that was rejected as rough and unsightly became the headstone of the computing industry. The experimental discovery of parallel processing opened the door to the modern computer that computes faster by computing in parallel or doing many things at once. To compute faster in the United States required that I discard my manual analog computer and learn to use automatic digital computers. I programmed supercomputers three months after I arrived in the United States. For a supercomputer programmer hopeful, living in sub-Saharan Africa in 1973, his isolation meant no access to an actual supercomputer. To this day, access is limited because a supercomputer costs the budget of a small nation. The 1970s was the sowing and planting decade for parallel processing, a technology then described as a huge waste of everybody's time. And the 1980s was the harvest decade for massively parallel processing. In 1989, it made the news headlines that an African supercomputer wizard in the United States has discovered how to upgrade the technology of parallel processing from a quote-unquote waste of time to becoming an indispensable instrument of large-scale computational physics. I, Philip Emagwale, was that person, the first African supercomputer scientist. Those news headlines bestowed legitimacy on the field of parallel processing. I began my quest from Onicha, Nigeria, and continued from calculus to algebra, where I continued on June 20, 1974, on the fastest computers or supercomputers in the computer center at 1800 Southwest Campus Way, Corvallis, Oregon, in the United in the Pacific Northwest region of the United States. I continued by massively parallel supercomputing across a primordial internet to deeply understand physics 
throw large-scale computational physics that run on the fastest supercomputers. I experimentally discovered how to plumb the depths of physics and how to do so across the internet that's a global network of identical computers that are equal distances are far and apart. To make a scientific discovery is to contribute to the body of scientific knowledge. Nine in ten supercomputer circles are consumed by large-scale computational physicists. The wrong codes with the laws of physics are their granite computation intensive cores. I increased the body of knowledge of large-scale computational physics when I discovered how to speed up the time to solution of the most computation-intensive problems in computational physics and reduce it from 180 computing years to one supercomputing day. My discoveries entered the core knowledge series in schools in the United States. My discoveries of faster computations for large-scale computational physics will be added to future editions of textbooks such as advanced level physics that I purchased in June 1970 in Onitsha, Nigeria. My quest for new knowledge of how to compute faster and speed up 30,000 years of time to solution to just one day was an intellectual homecoming. I had to leave home or physics and sojourn in mathematics and computing to find it again as large-scale computational physics. I had to leave physics. I had to leave the physics that I learned in Onitsha, Nigeria in 1970 post-Biafran Civil War to gain a deeper and surer understanding of the laws of motion of physics that were discovered three centuries and three decades ago. I had to leave calculus to rediscover calculus and do so across a global network of 64 binary thousand central processing units that's a small internet and rediscover that calculus with greater clarity. The discovery is a time machine that takes us to the past to see a thing that pre-existed but remained unseen to our ancestors. The invention enables us to invent the future of our descendants. In 1988, 
I divided a grand challenge initial boundary value problem in large-scale computational physics. A petroleum reservoir simulation to be specific. And I divided it into 65,536 initial boundary value problems. Along the way, I had to invent a system of coupled nonlinear and time-dependent partial differential equations that is the toughest problem in calculus that are known as Philip M. Aguales equations. And that's as long as your arms. I took 16 years because my first 16 years of supercomputing research were a record of failures and rejections. To invent is to make the impossible possible. It's difficult to show that the impossible is in fact possible. It's difficult to show that the impossible is in fact possible. Therefore, the quest for an invention must be a record of failures and rejections. Children doing school reports on the contributions of Philip M. Aguale to the development of the supercomputer often forgot, forget that I contributed to physics and mathematics. It's often forgotten that I am a mathematician that was the cover story of the May 1990 issue of Siam News that is the flagship publication that is mailed to the who is who's in the world of mathematics. As the dense and abstract subject that it is, mathematics exists at the margins of popular science. Calculus is seen from the bright light of popular technology. Albert Einstein, who theoretically discovered the theory of relativity, is better known than Gottfried Leibniz, who contributed to, to the development of calculus. In engineering and society, calculus is more important than relativity. My goal was to find a balance between physics, calculus, and computing. I visualized myself as a supercomputing gymnast on her balance beam. My grand challenge was to stand within the narrow approximations that arose from my algebraic approximations of a set of laws of physics. To approximate the wrong set of laws of physics, whether intentional or unintentional, is akin to a gymnast that lost her footing. I was searching for the fastest computer ever.
I was searching for the then unseen supercomputer that's an internet. I was searching for how to compute faster and do so by a factor of 64 binary thousand. After 16 years of searching for the fastest supercomputer, I discovered how to reduce time to solution of the most computation-intensive problems in large-scale computational physics. I discovered how to reduce time to solution and reduce it by a factor of 2 to power 16 or 64 binary thousand. I discovered how to reduce 180 supercomputing years or 64 binary thousand computing days to just one supercomputing day. Since 1989, young people doing school reports often ask, where is Philip Emma Aguale? Philip Emma Aguale is no longer in Corvallis, Oregon. Philip Emma Aguale was last seen in Corvallis, Oregon on Sunday, June 5, 1977. My last day in Oregon was also the day the Apple II, an 8-bit home computer, went on sale. The Apple II was sold for the not-so-inexpensive base price of $1,298 in 1977 dollars. So, where is Philip Emma Aguale? Philip Emma Aguale is best remembered for what he discovered in Los Alamos, New Mexico, United States. Philip Emma Aguale is no longer doing research on supercomputers in Los Alamos, New Mexico. Philip Emma Aguale was last seen in Los Alamos, New Mexico on about March 21, 1991. During my quest for the fastest supercomputer, I found my center of gravity on the massively parallel supercomputer and found it at a time everybody swore that parallel processing will forever remain a huge waste of everybody's time. I found that center of gravity at the frontier of the laws of physics. I found that center of gravity at the frontier of the partial differential equations of calculus. I found that center of gravity at the frontier of the linear equations of algebra. 
And I found that center of gravity at the frontier of the most computation-intensive floating-point operations in arithmetic. I experimentally discovered how to execute the largest possible set of floating-point operations in arithmetic that approximated the solutions of the most large-scale system of equations of algebra that we are discrete approximations of a system of coupled nonlinear and time-dependent partial differential equations that is the toughest problem in calculus that are known as Philip Emagwale's equations that encoded a set of laws of physics. For this multidisciplinary grand challenge problem, my scientific quest for the experimental discovery of parallel processing traversed across the frontiers of physics, calculus, algebra, arithmetic, computation, and communication. Like threads through a tapestry that intersected and then diverged, my discovery traversed science and technology. I discovered that the fastest supercomputer that computes in parallel while communicating in synchrony and doing both across an internet is a witness that tells the future. After 16 years of supercomputing onward of June 20, 1974, I discovered that I was standing at the crossroad of those frontiers of scientific and technological knowledge and sitting in front of a primordial internet that I, its sole programmer, visualized as my parallel processing machine. I visualized that machine as my global network of 64 binary thousand processors or two raised to power 16 central processing units. I visualized my processors as separated equal distances afar and apart and separated with each processor placed on the 15-dimensional surface of a globe. I visualized that globe as embedded within a 16-dimensional universe. What I saw in the 16-dimensional universe we are previously unseen in our everyday three-dimensional universe. That is the reason fifth graders are writing school reports on Philip Magwale and on his contributions to the development of the fastest supercomputer and as one of the fathers of the internet. To be the subject of school reports, and be studied since 1989 
and be studied with Albert Einstein, Thomas Edison, and Marie Curie. It's like being listed in a perennial bestseller list and being listed with Isaac Newton, Charles Darwin, and George Washington Carver. School report writing is like having a constant audience of children and young adults. School report assignments are like having a built-in audience of teachers and parents. At emmaagwale.com, we posted teachers' guides, discussion, questions, and educational activities. We also posted audio-taped and video-taped interviews and lectures. For more than a century, school districts across North America and Europe assigned stories about scientists as homework assignments. Since 1989, school children are asked to write an essay titled The Contributions of Philip Emagwale to the Development of the Computer. To school children with no knowledge of my origin story, it will seem like I overnight entered into their core knowledge series and entered via textbooks such as the one titled History of the Internet or entered via newspaper articles such as the one in the June 20, 1990 issue of the Wall Street Journal. On the contrary, it took me 16 years to enter into the school curriculum and enter as a pioneer of the supercomputer. I discovered parallel processing after experimenting for 16 years. I discovered parallel processing at a time it was often said that parallel processing is a beautiful theory that lacked experimental confirmation. I discovered parallel processing and did so across a primordial internet. I visualized that internet as my global network of 2 to power 16 central processing units. I started fast computing by using my brain as my computer. I started fast computing at age 9 in Abo, Nigeria. At age 9, my human computing speed was 60 arithmetical problems in 60 minutes. I began supercomputing at age 19 and computed on a supercomputer at 1800 Southwest Campus Way, Corvallis, Oregon, United States. My breakout discovery occurred at age 35 in Los Alamos, New Mexico, United States. At Los Alamos and in 1989, I experimentally discovered how to compute at the fastest speeds and compute across a small internet that I visualized as my small copy of the internet 
and that I visualized as embedded inside a 16-dimensional universe. This is my sixth decade of fast computing. After those six decades, I have a deeper and surer understanding of why computing in parallel makes computers faster and makes supercomputers fastest. I began supercomputing on June 20, 1974 at age 19. I began supercomputing when President Richard Nixon was in the White House. I began supercomputing by writing my first supercomputer code in my one-room studio apartment in a White House at 195A South Knox Street, Mammoth, Oregon, of the Pacific Northwest region of the United States. I began supercomputing when it was a crime to sell a supercomputer to the Soviet Union. Who might use the supercomputer to simulate nuclear explosions? I began supercomputing 16 months after the last man returned from the moon. I began supercomputing by learning how to program a scalar processing supercomputer that was ranked as the world's fastest computer eight years earlier or in December 1965. I began supercomputing in the computer center in Corvallis, Oregon, United States. For me, the next 16 years we are full of obstacles, both scientific and racial, and was a period of productive unproductivity. In those 16 years of supercomputing, I learned much about supercomputers, but there were times in the 1970s and 80s that I felt frustrated. I was frustrated as a black supercomputer geek that was ostracized. I was frustrated because I was forced to conduct research alone. I was frustrated by the challenges of being a supercomputer scientist that was the lone wolf at the farthest frontier of supercomputing. I was frustrated because I was the lone wolf programmer of my experimental assemble of processors. I was frustrated because my holy grail was to emulate a supercomputer and do so by computing across the slowest 64 binary thousand central processing units. There were times I felt that the technology of massively parallel processing will never become the engine that will drive the supercomputer of the future. There were times I felt that massively parallel processing 
is impossible. There were times I felt like I was not discovering much about massively parallel processing. As a black African supercomputer scientist, working as an outsider in white American supercomputer centers, my research in fastest supercomputing was and had to be subterranean. I was called a lunatic and dismissed by my research team. My theories about supercomputing in parallel or doing 64 binary thousand things at once were dismissed as unworkable and unrealistic. I discovered that to overcome racism in U.S. supercomputing labs demands my anonymity without my being invincible. Until 1989, the supercomputer scientists that I corresponded with did not know that I, Philip Emma Aguale, was black. Ironically, being a black supercomputer scientist put me at an advantage and enabled me to discover that massively parallel processing is the computational engine that can power supercomputers. If I was a white supercomputer scientist, I would have been accepted and absorbed into a large multidisciplinary research team of supercomputer scientists where I will go far with less supercomputing knowledge. Being a black supercomputer scientist forced me to conduct my multidisciplinary supercomputing research and to compute alone and to be a mathematician that is a polymath. As a polymath, I understood mathematical physics differently and I understood it in a broader sense than a mathematician or a physicist could understand it. Hydrodynamics is the branch of physics that affects your everyday life the most. Hydrodynamics is the subject that Leonardo da Vinci exclusively investigated. I understood computational hydrodynamics both physically and across motherboards. In 1986 and 87, I was an engineering physicist that helped to operate nine hydroelectric dams. Those nine dams were built by the United States Bureau of Reclamation. The Bureau of Reclamation is the number one dam builder in the world. As an engineering physicist that was employed by the Bureau of Reclamation, 
I had this scientific knowledge that was used to protect residents that lived along the floodplains of Wyoming. In the late 1970s, I investigated how to use computational hydrodynamics and use it to forecast the motion of flood waves that will arise if the spillway of a dam breaches or if a dam breaks. As an engineering physicist, I explained the standard operating procedures to dam tenders. I instructed dam tenders on when to lower water levels along the North Platte River of Wyoming. Unlike other supercomputer scientists, I knew hydrodynamics from both fluid dynamics textbooks and field experiences that I gained along the reservoirs of the nine dams of the North Platte River of Wyoming. I knew hydrodynamics from swimming down far downstream of the Kainji Dam that holds a reservoir of 500 square miles of water and holds it upstream of the River Niger at Ndoni, Biafra, Nigeria in 1969. Those multidisciplinary experiences from the Oguta War Front in Biafra in 1969 to the frontier of supercomputing in Silicon Valley in 1989 we are the experiences that enabled me to conduct my research and do so as a lone wolf supercomputer scientist. To conduct research alone and to simultaneously do so at the frontier of physics at the frontier of mathematics and at the frontier of computer science is the definition of a polymath and a true supercomputer scientist. <clears throat> Parallel processing is the technological knowledge that made the modern computer faster and made the modern supercomputer fastest. Once upon a time, before 1989 to be exact, the complete knowledge of parallel processing was not in supercomputer textbooks. The teacher of parallel processing did not discover parallel processing. The author of the textbook on parallel processing learned the technology from its inventor. Like any computer instructor, the teacher of parallel processing is merely transmitting technological knowledge that he did not invent. The science teacher has renounced his own voice to give voice to the scientific discoverer. The professor of computer architecture, computational physics, or computational mathematics is teaching parallel processing 
as described in his supercomputer textbook, not as described by the discoverer of parallel processing. And the author of the professor's textbook copied his knowledge of parallel processing from the discoverer of the knowledge of how to compute many things at once instead of computing only one thing at a time. Therefore, the professor that is teaching massively parallel supercomputing is like an interpreter of the knowledge of how to parallel process the most computation-intensive problems. Or like a ghostwriter that authored the story he didn't live. Or like the fifth grader that wrote a book report on a book he didn't read. I'm somewhat fastidious in describing and videotaping what I discovered and invented. I do so as a preemptive measure against those that want to occupy my stage and tell my story. In a 60-year retrospective, I realized that I spent the first half of my life wishing that I was the Albert Einstein that theorized relativistic motions of distant planets and then spent the second half of my life wishing I was my younger self that discovered how to supercompute the motions of planetary fluids. For the benefit of posterity, I have posted videotape lectures on my discoveries and inventions. At its core essence, my videotape lecture series is an attempt by the old Philip M. Aguale to record the story of the young Philip M. Aguale. But most importantly, the actual knowledge possessed by a theoretical physicist such as Albert Einstein or a computational physicist such as Philip M. Aguale can only be evaluated and compared by watching their videotape lecture series on their discoveries in physics. The videotape lectures of myself as the large-scale computational physicist Philip Emma Aguale are posted at emmaaguale.com. The videotape lectures of the likes of the theoretical physicist Albert Einstein is a truthful, irrefutable, and permanent measure of their intellect and scientific knowledge and their understanding of their contributions to human knowledge. I've posted at emmaaguale.com the details of how I discovered that massively parallel processing is the technology that makes computers faster and makes supercomputers fastest and the technology 
that is used to solve the most computation-intensive problems in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. I've posted the series of audio-taped and videotaped lectures at emmaagwale.com. You watch those lectures from anywhere and at any time. In a millennium, our descendants will agree that the series of videotaped lectures we record today are not lying about the intellect and the knowledge of their dead historical figures. The story of how I discovered parallel processing began on June 20, 1974. It began in a tiny room upstairs of a White House at 195A South Knox Street, Mammoth, Oregon, United States. Oregon is one of the whitest states in the United States. The city of Mammoth, Oregon, that I was living in, had no resident black couple. So I was a lone wolf black supercomputer geek in Oregon. And I was programming supercomputers at the same time Steve Jobs was a personal computer geek in Oregon. Fast forward 16 years and my story was in the news. And my story that began in a small room in Mammoth, Oregon was in millions of living rooms across the world. Algebra, physics and calculus are the three cornerstones of supercomputing. So you may want to trace the root of supercomputing to the Middle Ages. One beginning of the historical part of supercomputing began 330 years ago and began as the discovery of the second law of motion of physics and began as the invention of the technique of calculus that is the most powerful technique in mathematics. The grand challenge of experimentally discovering how to compute 65,536 times faster and how to do so across a global network of 65,536 central processing units required a primordial or a first programmer. That primordial programmer must be a triple threat in physics, mathematics, and computing. The intellectual and the physical instruments required to make that mathematical and experimental discovery of parallel processing are the knowledge of the laws of physics, the mastery of the partial differential equations of calculus, and the command of large-scale algebra, as well as the wizardry of how to program within a CPU and how to communicate across one binary million regular, short, and equidistant email wires to finally compute simultaneously and do so 
at 64 binary thousand CPUs. The laws of physics are the core essences and the common thread through calculus, algebra, computers, and email wires. Solving the toughest problem in supercomputing requires a leap of the imagination and is metaphorically akin to slaying the fire-breathing dragon that guards the tree of knowledge in an unknown world. The research supercomputer scientist needs two intellectual swords to slay that dragon. The first sword is cerebral and is needed for the theoretical discovery of parallel processing. The second sword is physical and is needed for the experimental discovery of parallel processing. The reason my discovery of parallel processing made the news headlines in 1989 was that I went beyond harnessing the total computing power of 65,536 central processing units or CPUs. I visualized my CPUs as equidistantly distributed around the surface of a globe in a 16-dimensional universe. It took me 16 years and several stages to discover parallel processing. First, I mathematically discovered the correct equations, namely a system of nine coupled nonlinear and time-dependent partial differential equations of calculus that is called the Philip M. Aguales equations. Second, I invented algebraic algorithms that I used to solve my correct nine partial differential equations of calculus. The 65,536 CPUs of my primordial internet cannot be harnessed to solve an incorrect system of equations of algebra and calculus and harnessed to solve them correctly. Nor can those 64 binary thousand CPUs be harnessed to execute an inaccurate algorithm and execute them accurately. Third, I visualized my primordial internet as defined in the shape of a square and outlined in the shape of a circle. In three-dimensional space, those shapes become a cube and a sphere, respectively. In 16-dimensional hyperspace, those shapes become a hypercube and a hypersphere, respectively. I visualize my primordial internet in the 16th dimension and visualize my internet as a global network of 2 to power 16 or 65,536 computers that we are defined at the 65,536 vertices of the cube in a 16-dimensional universe. Parallel processing across my internet 
is the crown jewel of my discoveries and inventions. But the story behind the story is that the technologies are concrete and visible while the techniques are profound, abstract, and invincible. The world's fastest calculations that I experimentally discovered and discovered across a primordial internet was the crown jewel that sparkled in the limelight and remains a quick retentive in the public memory. My experimental discovery of the world's fastest calculations received spontaneous applause in 1989 and the supercomputing community mirrored back their appreciative applause and recognized my contributions to the development of the supercomputer by giving me the highest award in the field of supercomputing in the field of supercomputing. Trying to find my quote-unquote fastest calculations within a fastest computer was like trying to find the unicorn, a legendary beast with a single spiraling horn. The unicorn cannot be found for the simple reason that it does not exist within our universe. My fastest calculations does not exist within one central processing units, unit. My fastest calculations only exist across an internet. My parallel processing supercomputer only exists as a primordial internet that I defined by my 65,536 equidistant central processing units. My supercomputing quest was for the primordial internet that I could use to compute at the fastest possible speeds and compute 2 to power 16 times faster than the computer. My 16-year-long research was a supercomputing quest for human progress achieved via progress in computing speed. In that supercomputing quest, I followed 16 mutually orthogonal or perpendicular directions. Those directions led me into an imaginary 16-dimensional universe where I experimentally discovered my internet and discovered it as a global network of 65,536 equidistant CPUs that encircled a globe in that hyperspace of that 16-dimensional world. Algebra and calculus are the cornerstones of large-scale computational physics. The greatest challenge in algebra and calculus was how to parallel process or how to solve 65,536 
computation-intensive problems of algebra or calculus and how to solve them across as many central processing units. The June 20, 1990 issue of the Wall Street Journal credited Philip M. Aguale for experimentally discovering how to program a global network of 65,536 central processing units that define and outline an internet and how to harness that internet and harness that internet as one cohesive seamless supercomputer that was the precursor to the modern supercomputer. The answers to the biggest questions don't come easy. In a syndicated newspaper article that was distributed on September 2, 1985 and distributed to the print media and distributed by the United Press International or UPI and in that article John Rowe Wagen the president of Cray Research Incorporated that was the company that manufactured seven intense supercomputers, described his company's use of 64 processors as, quote, more than we bargained for, unquote. In the late 1980s, my experimental discovery of parallel processing was a factor of one binary thousand times faster than the parallel processing that was considered that was impossible for even the biggest supercomputer giant. The solution to parallel processing demands big ideas and hard work. The reason American children are doing school reports on Philip M. Aguale is that I experimentally discovered parallel processing and how to compute many things at once or in parallel. My discovery opened the door to the modern supercomputer that computes in parallel. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Insightful and brilliant lecture.